0: Okay, so um, I think so. We're starting in Luke 11, verses 1 to 4, and then we'll be moving to Luke chapter 23, uh, verses 32 to 46. So starting in Luke 11, on page 1042. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him. Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Luke chapter 23, starting at verse 32, on page 1060. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others that him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there held insults at him, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are guessing what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land, until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last.
1: It's great to see you here on a lovely, bright, sunny morning. Welcome back if you've uh, been on holiday. Um, if you're new here, or uh, you haven't yet seen me, I'm your new assistant pastor. Um, I introduced myself last Sunday evening, but if you uh, haven't seen myself and my new wife, Steph, Uh, We landed a few weeks ago and uh, we're really enjoying getting to know people here. And uh, thanks so much for your warm welcome. It's been great getting to know some of you and uh, we're really pleased to be here. Uh, I hope you are too. We've got a great passage to look at this morning. Um, If you're joining us, we've sort of been looking through the summer at uh, the short series, um, looking quite carefully at the Lord's Prayer recorded in Luke chapter 11, just trying to slow down and look at individual phrases uh, and consider what do they really mean? Uh, I think Jeff helpfully told us a couple of weeks ago, isn't so often the case we just pray this prayer because we know it off by heart and we don't really engage our mind or our heart. Uh, And so we just say these things but don't really mean what we say. And so I really pray for us today if we look at this next phrase uh, that we'll be helped um, in understanding the depth of what we're praying. Uh, To do that though, I just want to show you a short video clip. So hopefully that's going to come up on the screen now. afraid uh, the uh, volume isn't working but basically you might recognise this chap uh, he's called Steve Irwin uh, he was here so waxing lyrical about um, uh, being a, a conservationist and uh, about dangerous animals and then as he was holding this rock python it bit him in the face and then in his sort of Australian accent he said oh don't worry pythons can't kill you they're not venomous um, but here's Steve just messing around with, uh, with a dangerous animal that we probably want to keep at arm's distance and um, many of you will know that in 2006 he actually died and um, he came a bit too close to these dangerous animals and a, a stingray shot him through the heart and he died. So uh, you, know, you know the phrase familiarity breeds contempt or um, pride comes before a fall. Uh, kind of like in that video I think that it can be very true for us when it comes to praying the Lord's Prayer. Um, I want to encourage you and warn you this morning don't do a Steve Irwin with the Lord's Prayer. Kind of become so familiar with it that you pray it without really thinking what it means and troubles around the corner, because this is actually, one writer described this as the most dangerous prayer you could ever pray. If you stop and think about the words that you pray as you pray this prayer, if you really mean them, it's a pretty serious prayer. You're asking for pretty huge things. And so we need to come to this this prayer, not with familiarity, but praying that God would keep teaching us. Um, what I want to do, basically, there's, there's so much in this. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And there's loads of different places you can go with this. Um, what I'd like to do, though, is just focus on that first phrase to start with and kind of lay a foundation. Because if you don't understand that first phrase, it's impossible to pray the second prayer. But then spend most of this morning looking at that second phrase, as we forgive those who sin against us. Uh, the reason being is I think so often we think of the Christian gospel as simply being a means by which we're saved. And so when I think of Jesus Christ, I think, well, he died on the cross, he forgave me, and if I trust in him, I'll go to heaven. And that is completely true, and the gospel is never, ever less than that. But there's a lot more depth to the gospel than simply, Jesus died for me and I can be forgiven. The whole point of the gospel is it's meant to shape all of our life. It's meant to transform the way that we live every day of our life. And so it really should transform this issue of forgiveness which I know is a particularly difficult issue that we're going to think about this morning. So my prayer for each of you is that more and more today, as I hope I will, we will grasp the depth of this prayer, and particularly this first phrase, forgive us our sins. Just have a think about that phrase for a minute. Can you stop and think about the ability that we have to pray that prayer and all that it means? Isn't that staggering? That the God who made us and loves us, is prepared to forgive us for everything and to do that always and to do that forever and yet that's just the truth that we always believe as Christians and we become familiar with it, familiarity breeds contempt but the problem we have is that Satan, the devil, who who the Bible describes as the father of lies is opposed to all that God is opposed to So, when the Bible holds up a mirror in our face and says you were made in God's image but you turned your back on him you didn't want him to be your Lord you didn't want to live your life to his glory and praise the Bible describes that as sin a kind of attitude in my heart is rebellion well the devil comes and whispers in our ear that's not a really big deal so there's three lies that the devil will often whisper in your ear the first one is sin doesn't really have a bit, uh, any consequences it's not a big deal ah it's just naughty but nice you do wrong things big deal but look at the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples a phrase that we looked at a few weeks ago hallowed be your name your kingdom come you know it's impossible to build God's kingdom and your own kingdom at the same time and so praying that first bit of the prayer shows us that sin is a big deal because our life isn't our life it was a gift from God and we're not to live our life ignorant of him and, and suppressing the truth of who he is sin is a big deal and that's why this prayer helps us to correct your name is to be glorified. Your kingdom is to be built, not mine. Well, if you're convicted of your sin, then maybe the devil will try a different trick. He'll whisper in your ear, OK, you can acknowledge that you've fallen short of God's standards. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Are you going to try harder? Are you going to go to church a bit more? Are you going to read your Bible a bit longer? Are you going to pray for longer each morning? What are you going to do about your sins? And he helps us with that all the time but I don't know if you noticed in that second reading towards the end of Luke's gospel Jesus is on the cross he's been mocked by the soldiers and he says Father forgive them for they do not know what they do and then in his last breath on the cross he prays Father into your hands I commit my spirit the Father sent the Son into the world as the solution to our rebellion against God so when the devil whispers what are you going to do about your sin the only answer we can have is I'm going to look to Jesus and the third lie he'll sow in you and, and this may be one that really plays and troubles you he'll say are you sure you're forgiven? I know you're trusting Jesus, are you sure? are you really sure? and the devil plays with our assurance and yet isn't it staggering that when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray he says Father, that's how you pray to him Father, Abba that word literally means Daddy The ability that we, you and I have as we're Christian believers of talking to God as Father is the most incredible gift. How do I know I'm forgiven? Because I have access to the Father and I can call him Daddy and come to him and open up my heart before him and he does not judge me for that. He allows me to be real before him. And to help lay this foundation before we look at the second phrase I know this is a familiar truth, Jesus died for me but I want us to grasp this morning Isn't that a staggering truth? That I can come to the God of the universe and say, Father, will you forgive me? And he will. Every single time. We need to allow that truth to be real to us. Not just to be a truth that we know in our minds, but to be so real to us that we can't help sing about it, we can't help be joyous about it, because that is a truth that transformed our life. my my grandfather in his life as a hobby was a silversmith and he made all sorts of uh, things out of silver and this is one that Steph and I were given recently as a a little bit of a wedding present a little toast rag now silver's beautiful it's a precious metal but you know if you leave silver out in the air for long enough it will get tarnished it will go dark and you'll keep shining it up and I think that's a bit like our relationship with Jesus Christ if you've come to trust him for yourself it's possible that he was once really precious to you and he shines and, and so captivates your heart that you just sort of leave him for long enough and your heart grows dull towards him. And he no longer captivates your heart, he no longer excites you, you no longer get moved by the cross and all that he's done for you. But the thing is, if we're going to pray the second bit of this prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, Jesus Christ must always, always be precious to us if you allow your relationship with him to get tarnished like that silver will if I just leave it in the, in the air it will become impossible to truly and really forgive others if it's not motivated by the gospel and so just to, to help us get this foundation right we need to keep coming back to the cross and allowing God's spirit to move us so that we look at the cross and we delight in all that he's done for us Father forgive us our sins perhaps this week take a bit of time to consider afresh all that that phrase means because it's so familiar and yet it's so rich But with that foundation laid and with that kind of in place I want us to, to grasp that second phrase Just have a look again in verse 4 the second phrase forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and the way I like to do that is uh, to look at this little phrase in three parts a challenge a solution and the proof and this is firstly the challenge uh, you know um, C.S. Lewis who was the writer of the Chronicles of Narnia he once said this everyone says forgiveness is a good idea until they have someone to forgive that's kind of true isn't it we like the idea of it so take kind of ground where we're going with this I want you to place in that picture someone you know you have not forgiven who would hurt you Now I know doing that could be quite painful for you. Perhaps the pain that that person has caused still continues to cause you great grief every day. Perhaps the consequences of the person who hurt you continue every day. Now as you picture whoever it is in that picture you'll realise that forgiveness is so difficult because forgiveness isn't deserved. That's the kind of point, isn't it? And you'll know that hurt can run very, very deep. Perhaps the person who you're finding it very hard to forgive is in this room. Often it's within Christian circles, in churches, where relationships are much closer that people actually hurt you the most. And perhaps even the person who's hurt you doesn't even know that they've hurt you. That's also possible. And so you're getting really bitter in your heart towards this person, they don't know they've upset you. But I us just think of who it is in that because I want you to really ground these truths, not just in theory, but who is it that you're struggling to forgive? and I will ask you these two questions firstly have you forgiven them and secondly do you think you could some people misunderstand this phrase in in verse 4 forgive us our sins for we also forgive others who sin against us some people think that that kind of means God you've got to forgive me because look at me I'm going around forgiving similar to another verse in one of the gospels um, where Jesus sort of says I will forgive those who forgive others and we think well that's just some sort of condition that Jesus will only forgive me if but really what that phrase is saying is those who truly truly are forgiven there's an expectation that they will forgive ok so if you look in that picture behind me if you look at that person who's hurt you perhaps you're saying you know what I just can't forgive them I really can't i tried but the hurt they caused me is just run too deep Or perhaps you've dug your heels in and said, you know what, actually, I won't forgive them because they don't deserve it. I can't and I won't. Or maybe you said, okay, I'll forgive them if if they come groveling, if they start repairing their relationship, if they move towards me first and we place conditions on the forgiveness that we're going to give. Well, here's the challenge that Jesus puts to us. I once read in a book on forgiveness that really helped me in a time when I had to forgive someone who deeply, deeply hurt me. They said this, to be a Christian is to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Now don't say that flippantly. Oh, you're a Christian, just forgive. I know that forgiveness is really tough, but that is still a truth. When we understand the extent of what he's done for us, actually you and I do not have a right to withhold forgiveness from anyone however deep the hurt has gone so that's the challenge they are the phrases that we often play back at this person who is in the middle but Jesus' challenge is really you are as a Christian to always forgive and you are to forgive anyone now take a deep breath that's hard right? that is really hard and if you look at the person you put in that picture that may be even harder that is a tough challenge but what's the solution? do you remember I talked about this bit of silver earlier if I just allow that to sit in the, in the air for too long and I don't keep shining it it will become dull and it won't ever look precious to me it will still be silver however black it gets but it won't be precious to me if you allow your relationship with Jesus Christ to grow cold too familiar and it becomes tarnished a bit like that silver it will be impossible to truly forgive someone from the heart and that's where the solution comes you know if I um, said the word wealth to you you often automatically will probably think bank balance my money, my pension, my house what I have that's one form of wealth and often we can see wealth it's a physical thing there's another part of wealth that is really important when it comes to forgiving and it's what one American writer calls emotional wealth this is what he says it is emotional wealth a sense of being so deeply loved by God that when a person wrongs you you can afford to be generous you see the connection between that phrase emotional wealth and the tarnished silver if my love for Jesus Christ grows cold and dim and I don't continue to be captivated by the cross then I won't have this emotional wealth the sense of being so secure in the love of God I can't help but be generous in forgiving because in and of myself I can try hard and, and forgiveness will go so far but it won't be permanent and it won't be deep if it's simply my ability to forgive, trying harder. We need to pray that God's Spirit would grow inside each of us, this emotional wealth, a deep sense of being so loved by God and grasping every day all that He's done for us that I cannot help but want to forgive others. Because that's the motivation, that's the solution that the Gospel gives us. Now, if you're still thinking about the person who's in your picture, who causes you deep pain, I don't want to be flipping about these truths. Uh, so here, let me just remind you and encourage you, three things that forgiveness isn't, okay? Because I think sometimes Christians think that if you're a Christian you can't ever feel emotion. Here's the three. Forgiveness isn't excusing what went wrong, the hurt that has been caused. It's not just excusing it, saying oh, it doesn't matter. When you're hurt, it does matter. And when you grieve pain or feel injustice, it does matter. And being a Christian isn't simply okay, case saying, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's the first lie. The second thing related to it, forgiveness doesn't mean we deny the pain. You know the kind of fridge magnets that Christians sometimes have? Um, something like, uh, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. But it's a glorious truth. But if it kind of is ripped out of its context, we don't understand really what joy actually means. We can just sort of say that flippantly to a person who's hurting or struggling to forgive oh you're a Christian the joy of the Lord is your strength just forgive them we can forgive but we can still feel pain as well it's okay as a Christian to be grieved by someone who hurts you it's okay it's okay to get angry but it's how you hold your anger and how you manage it that is a significant thing and the third thing is forgiveness isn't actually forgetting you know the old crypt forgive and forget it's lovely isn't it but in reality it doesn't happen if someone hurts you deeply, you won't ever forget. But you can empty your memory of it's poison. Uh, you don't have to recycle the pain. You won't always forget the person who's hurting you, but you can do something with that pain. I just say those things because I don't want to sort of say, well, you're a Christian and Jesus died for you and you know the gospel, so just allow the gospel to take root in your life and just forgive and be flippant about the pain we have to be honest with ourselves about the hurt that people can cause it but equally we need to be honest about the fact that there is a real solution that the gospel isn't just a system by which I'm saved it's never less than that but the gospel actually goes so much deeper and affects all of my life and so the last thing there's the challenge always forgive in everyone the solution praying that God would grow in us by his spirit this emotional wealth being so deeply loved by him that I can't afford not to be generous and forgive others. What's more about the proof? Now, um, you know Jeff. You've known Jeff a lot longer than me. He's a good, upstanding man. Imagine if I go into Jeff's garden and I insult his vegetables that are growing.
2: <laughs>
1: not assault them, insult them. I say that they're not very good. Okay, I imagine Jeff gets a bit protective about his vegetables and he punches me in the face. Hard to believe. Just imagine that happens today, Okay. Now, Jeff punched me in the face. I'm obviously very angry and very upset. But he comes back and he says his story. And then I say, "Okay, Jeff, I forgive you. And I shake his hand. Here are three proofs that I've actually forgiven Jeff and haven't just said those things. Here's the first one. There's no vengeance. Which means I promise I will never bring up that incident with Jeff again. So imagine a few months later, I'm with Jeff and we're having a bit of a ping pong we're a bit annoyed at each other and we're arguing you know how it is where we dig up old dirt Ah, oh, but Jeff I use this as an argument Ah, oh, but Jeff do you remember the time you punched me in the face and all I did was insult your vegetables I wasn't deserved was it if I've truly forgiven Jeff for punching me there's no vengeance and I don't bring it up again with him here's the second thing there's no gossip so imagine I'm around the Brian's and Claudine's and I'm just having a chat with them and um, Grant's got a bit of a grumble about Jeff uh, and he's very angry Then this isn't going to happen, this is fiction but, but imagine that Grant is a bit grumpy with Jeff it means when I've truly forgiven Jeff I also don't go to Grant and Claudine and go God, oh, I know what you mean do you know a year ago when I insulted the potatoes he punched me in the face, can you believe that? I don't bring it up with someone else And the third thing, and I think this perhaps is the one that can cause most pain, no bitterness. I don't bring it up with myself. You know, another sort of way of describing bitterness is recycled resentment. Where I say to Jeff, I forgive you Jeff, but then actually I keep muttering under my breath and I go for the days ahead and I keep remembering what he did. And I keep playing it through and I keep thinking what a horrible person he is and I keep thinking can I get my own back and I didn't deserve it, I only insulted the vegetables and I recycle that resentment over and over again in my heart and actually I grow very bitter or perhaps I withhold true forgiveness from him because I think that might spite him because he doesn't deserve it if you allow bitterness to grow in your heart actually it will do more damage to you than it will to the person you've withheld your forgiveness from so there are three proofs that I find very helpful to help diagnose whether or not you've truly forgiven no vengeance, I don't bring it up with Jeff no gossip, I don't bring it up with other people and no bitterness I don't bring it up with myself well there you have it just as we close I know forgiveness is a really really difficult issue it's not like you can just hear a talk on it download the information then just start being great at forgiving we need God to work in our hearts by his spirit to grow these things in us I just want you to go away remembering two things remember the tarnished silver never allow your relationship with Jesus Christ to get dull and to grow weary because then your motivation for living the Christian life will be completely changed but allow Jesus Christ to continue to captivate your heart keep investing in your relationship with him because as his spirit is at work in your heart he will grow that emotional wealth in you and he will give you the ability to forgive the person who perhaps was on the screen who you think it's impossible to forgive but you need to ask for his help to do that and that's why I love the way that this that this whole prayer began. Do you notice how the disciples turn to Jesus and say, teach us to pray? We need God's help, don't we, to not just learn this prayer, but to learn all that it means and to better pray it with greater sincerity. But my prayer, for each of you, as I've been praying for myself this week, is that more and more we will be a truly gospel-centered church. And more and more we will be a truly grace-filled community. Because as God grows that thing within us then we'll be both a greater witness to the surrounding area but also we'll be able to pray this most wonderful prayer with greater sincerity and that's what my prayer is for each of you this morning why don't you just take a moment of quiet just to reflect allow God's spirit to work in you and place on your heart what it is that he wants you to take away and in a few moments time Neil will pick up
2: thank you for the amazing possibility of forgiveness. We thank you that it is possible through Jesus to know what it means to be forgiven. And we do pray that you would make us aware of just what you have done to make that possible. Just how much sin grieves you. Just how much you are a holy God. And how far we are from you and yet you brought us near. And Lord, if we truly appreciate what forgiveness means in our lives, we pray that you would fill us with that emotional wealth that we are able to forgive others. We know there are many people here who have been very badly hurt by people. We know that the pain is real to them, it carries on. But Lord, we pray that you would um, help each one of us to be able to forgive in the same way you have forgiven us. Well, thank you for these uh, practical helps this morning. Help us not to hang on to these, uh, this bitterness. Help us not to spread it. But help us to leave it with you at the cross. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.